So, do you know the man on the screen? I'm sorry if you don't support Liverpool. I don't myself. Um, this is Klopp, and um, I want to talk about him for a reason. And he's a German professional football manager and former player who manages Liverpool, of course. He's regarded by many as one of the best managers in the world. Very hardworking. Would you believe that Klopp himself played for 12 years and he started as a striker and later on he was converted to be a defender? Interesting. Now, I just want to mention a couple of achievements about this coach. He just won the club World Cup this month. Obviously, he won the Champions League last season with Liverpool by beating Tottenham. He won the 2019 Best Fever Men's Coach Award. He was German Football Managers of the Year for 2011 and 2012. And I can tell you for free that he's got one hand on the Premier League title. <coughs> now with all these achievements, this is where I'm going. Club said, I'll just give you a few interviews granted to BBC, BT Sports. In 2016, in an interview with BBC, he said, success in football is not the most important thing in his life. Wow. I said, wow. Again, with BT Sport, Club said, when I look at me and my life, and I take time for that every day, then I feel I am in sensationally good hands. He added, and I find it a pity if other people lack this sense of security, although they don't know it. Of course, because otherwise, they will probably look for it. In, a, in another interview with the German media, club said, Jesus Christ is the most important person in history. He said, for me, this is an easy answer. He went on to explain why he believes in Jesus Christ. He said, this person comes into the world and has a clear mission, which is not easy to accomplish at all. In the end, he took all the sins on himself and was nailed on a cross. Now, to plop, success is not about doing well in football. There is something more to him. Klopp is trying to help us to preach, you know, the sayings of Psalm 127 that we'll be looking at today. And that psalm, in summary, is saying, do we trust God enough to rest in him? Or can we get to a point and say, I am in a sensationally good hands, like Klopp said. 
Let me invite you today as we look into Psalm 127. This, this psalm is a song of accent, you know, of Solomon. And it deals, you know, with three areas of our lives that demand most of our time and cause us the most trouble. And what are they? Work, security, and family. So today we'll be having three points. The first one is house and watchman. Thank you very much there, Max. And the second point is work and sleep. And the last point we're looking at is family and protection. So point number one. See, unless the Lord, it says unless, except the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch, but in vain. Now, what is this verse telling us? This verse is telling us about the futility of work. It's telling us about the futility of building. If we do all that without God. Now, building houses and seeking to preserve, you know, the security of a city are both acceptable enterprises. But there is a time when either task can be full-time. In each case, our building is in vain. When we engage in the activity alone without God's involvement. Now, just imagine someone trying to build a house you know, buy all the materials, do all the architectural design, you know, employ people, you know, they start with the foundation and, you know, then after you've paid for everything and over time, the house is erected. And then you try to employ some security guards, you know, to look after yourself, to keep yourself safe. And sometimes they run shift. You have people running the day shift, the night shift, because security is a big concern. Now, how long can this man go? I bet you know the answer. Our protection is only secure in God. Lasting protection, genuine protection, can only be attained in God. Now, what was the most, one of the most spectacular buildings ever built in LA ministry? Tower of Babel, of course. Genesis chapter 11. And what did God think about that? A people trying to make a name for themselves. And what happened to their plant? It was aborted. I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we tend to build our own Babels, trying to make a name for ourselves. We may build or we may try to guard our city, but we must remember that God is our protector. Amen. As, as we go into 2019, well, we are already in 2019, as we go into 2020, I want us to be encouraged. And as we make plans, it's, of course it's good to make plans. As we build, as we 
do all of those fantastic things, we should remember. We should not be caught up in thinking that our security lies in them. Why are we building? And again, do we put our trust in all those things? Now, in, in Matthew chapter 7, if, if you can, thank you, Matt. The, the, Jesus was talking about the wise and the foolish builders. Now, let me just try to put it in context. Verse 21, Jesus was telling the people after teaching them several things. He said, not everyone who called me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, or the kingdom of my father, but only those who do the will of my father. That's verse 20, 21, 23. Now, if you look at 24, Jesus tried to compare the people who hear him and obey his words to a wise builder. And let me just try to read uh, verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell into a great crash. Sometimes I feel a little bit uneasy, you know, when you see foolish you know, when you read the Bible and you say, you see something talking about the foolish man. And, you know, sometimes myself, you read the Bible and you are confronted and you see that, wow, I think I'm foolish. But I think the essence of doing all this is so that we can change and become better. Jesus tells this parable to show us if we are actually wise builders or unwise. And can I just ask you, are you a wise or a foolish builder? Are you building on his word? People build houses for security and protection. What are you putting your protection in? as we go into 2020. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watching them. Now, we all know that the world is becoming very, uh, becoming less safe to live in. I try to compare the global, you know, peace index with the global firepower. Just, you know, out of curiosity. And I was shocked what I discovered. Well, the Global Peace Index shows that the world continues to be less peaceful than a decade ago. Right, so many factors were considered. Now, Iceland remains one of the most peaceful countries in the world, and they've been since 2008. Interesting. 
So out of about 163 countries, Iceland was number one. And in out of curiosity, I was, oh, well, I live in the UK, so let's check where we rank. And we're number 45. And also check uh, our friends uh, in the uh, US, 128. Now, I tried to compare this with the global firepower. The list for 2019 puts the military powers of the world into full perspective. And guess what? US became number one. And Iceland is number 115 out of 137. And our dearest country is number eight. Now, I don't know if you are getting the gist. So, how safe you are sometimes cannot be measured by the strength of your army. Now, what does the Bible say? Proverbs 21, 31 says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Now, the message translation says, Do your best. Prepare for the worst. Then trust God to bring victory. I like that. Can I say to you, as we go into 2020, friends, do your best. Prepare for the worst. But remember, your trust must be in God. Security depends upon God alone. When we seek to be secure in our own efforts, it is an exercise in futility. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches, friends, we do all of those in vain. John Piper said, you don't give God authority over your life. He has it totally. I think the challenge is we need to give him his place. I think we'll move now to point number two, walk and sleep. Walk and sleep. Verse 2 tells us that when our work causes us to get up very early and retire very late, it is vain. Now, all of us know that occasionally it is necessary to burn the midnight oil. In fact, in Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman is praised for doing, for doing this. If you look at verse 15 and verse 18, there she is commended for being hardworking, not slothful. Now, Solomon is not contradicting Proverbs 31, but he's putting it in perspective. What Solomon is saying here is, if we do all these things outside of God, then you're going to be a waste to engage in futile activities. Let me just paint um, um, a story. There is a student who is um, preparing for A-levels. And he told his friends, parents, I want to have all A's. And he, was, he went for it. Seriously preparing for it. But he's got no time for friends, for family, no time for, for the church community. And he was just reading all three. And what happened? A is all true. Wow. And he was celebrated. Wow. What a good student you are. And what happened? He was admitted to the University of Manchester. 
to do a cause of his choice. And again, he repeated the same scenario. And he said to himself, I want to graduate, I want to graduate the first class. And he was reading. Reading. Ultra. Just focus on the academics. No time for friends. No time for family. He's got no time for the church community as well. Guess what happened? After three solid years, first class, hooray, so many pictures. It was celebrated even on social media. Wow! And what happened? A fantastic job came on board. And he said to himself, I think I enjoyed you know, those two previous achievements. And he said, I want to be the best in my career. And the same thing happened, continued. In the process, he got married. And he got married to someone who is even more, someone who can call a workaholic more than himself. The wife will also, after every day's work, she was doing some online training, you know, just to make herself better in what she, she does. And after a time, both of them came together and they said, I think we need a house. And they were trying to get a mortgage. They eventually got a mortgage, but after a while, they said, I think um, we're not comfortable with that house. So they, ha they had to move to out of the city just to get a place that they love and that they can afford. And something happened. After a while, they were trying, you know, they were looking for children. But the wife was struggling. She couldn't conceive. And they had to go through all the medical advice and all the medical options available. And they were so, so sad about it. Now, can I just tell you that for them, all those toils, can you see that for that person it was vain? Because they never really got the security they were hoping for. At some point, I could imagine God just saying, come on guys, what's going on? You are focusing too much on these things. They are nice things, of course, yes. But I'm missing you. I want to fellowship with you. What's knocking? What's going on? Come on, wake up, wake up. Like, don't, don't define yourself by what you do. Is it wrong to build a fantastic career? Absolutely not. There is nothing wrong in having children. They're lovely. There is nothing wrong in having a fantastic house. I love one myself. But what are we talking about? Are we making all those things the ultimate? That's the challenge we have. Are we putting our trust in them? Now, it was talking about sleep. And I understand that we're in different stages of our lives. Maybe you just lost a loved one. Or you're struggling with you know, financial challenges. Or you just lost a job. Or you're struggling with some you know, uh, 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 ailments. Friends, we must get to the point where we can go to sleep.
where we can be calm, where we can rest, to say, it, it doesn't matter what I'm going through, just like Job said, I know you've got my back. I want to rest in your arms. Just like Paul said, I know that I am in a sensationally good hand. Do you remember the story of the sleeping cracks in the storm? Sometimes you can say, well, it's tired, so what do you, what do you expect? But the disciples, they, they, they were tired as well, but they couldn't sleep because practically they were watching their lives ebbing away. They had to wake him up. He could sleep in the storm because he's rest assured that my Father in heaven has got me covered. The lesson here is only God can give sleep. Human efforts without God are useless, ineffective, and they don't last. Tim Keller said, prosperity and security are not ultimately your accomplishment, but God's gift. So overwork, worry, and strain are foolish and wrong. That's Tim Keller, not, not my words. We'll move to the last point, family and protection. Let me just read uh, verse uh, 4. It says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponent in the court. See, an arrow is a sharp stick that a bow can shoot. Now, a soldier with many arrows is happy. So is a man with many children. They will give him help to fight his enemies. Now, there is, there is a particular culture in some part of Africa where they invest. When I say invest, I'm, I'm using that word with every sense of responsibility. They invest in children. Right from nursery schools to when they graduate from the university, sometimes for postgraduates. You know, unlike in this country where someone can go to the university and maybe get a loan and pay back, we don't, they don't have that um, facility, so, so, so to say. So the parent basically is, we, we do everything for them. Now, you can say out of love, yes, but more than that, so, when they retire, there is an unwritten agreement between the parents and the children that I am doing this for you. Okay? Yes, daddy. Now, when I retire, because I don't trust the government to look after me, it's going to be your responsibility to look after me. So, the agreement is, although not signed, is the more responsible children you have, the more you feel secure as a parent. And you walk about, even your, amongst your, your colleagues, when they see you, oh wow, his future is secure. Wow, and you see the man walking. <laughs> I've got them. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a true life story. So, 
I, I perfectly understand that, you know, in some other culture, you know, children could be for anything. I mean, they're wanted for maybe protection, for the future, for name, for fame. And I, I, I have a friend uh, far back in, in Africa that was struggling with this, you know, um, the wife, I don't even know how to say this. You know, um, you know there's, we still struggle with people thinking we need male children so they can continue the name of the family. So if the wife is giving him, you know, female number one, number two, another female, number three, another female, and he said, what is wrong with your wife? I see the wife is the one responsible. And, you know, the family becomes so unsettled. We, if, if you hear stories about what happens in families just because of children, it's, it's not very good. I'll read verse 5 of Psalm 127 in ESV. It says, when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. Now, if you understand the gates they're talking about, the city gate, beside being part of the city's protection against invaders, city gates were places of central activity in biblical times. It was at the city gates that important business transactions were made. Court was convened and public announcements were routed. It is natural that the Bible frequently speaks of sitting in the gate or of the activities that took place at the gate. Now, the first mention of city gate was found in Genesis chapter 19, when Lot, Abraham's nephew, was there sitting with the elders, and that was where he met with the angelic visitors. Now, in the law of Moses, parents of rebellious son were told to bring him to the city gate. Anytime, if you have any son that you can tell us this one is rebellious. It's against every written law. So, they've been advised, you bring that son to the city gate. What happens? The elders at the city gates will look into the evidence, then they will pass judgment. So, when, if, if, if you now read, if you go back to verse 5, to say, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, they will not be put to shame. When they contend with their opponent in court. Now, sometimes if you have, it's, it's more or less like the court system. In those days, someone, you had loggerhead with somebody, then you take to the city gate with the elders and, you know, to talk yourself out. And there is a sense of, it is all about fame, about making a name for ourselves. To control the gates of one's enemies was to conquer their city. Part of Abraham's blessings from the Lord was the promise that your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And let me just quickly tell you, there used to be a man in Nigeria called Mr. Belu Abubakar. This man is from Niger State, the, the north central of, of Nigeria. This man, I think he died in 2017. He had 86 wives 
and a hundred and seven children. Yes, you have me right. Eighty-six wives. And I only got to know about this man because of this record. It came into the news because, you know, as far as we are concerned, wow, this is a small Solomon. Eighty-six wives. And the local mosque, the imam, they took this man to court to say, is it that this man should renounce or leave our mosque? Or he should divorce 82 of them because he's only allowed to have four. And this man refused. And just because the family is so large, I bet you, I don't really think we can even measure up to his family as we are here. He's going to outnumber us. Or just his family alone, they, they, they stage a particular protest. And it, it feels like a whole city is on rampage. He's got so many of them. And why? And you see this man, they grant him interviews and he's boasting, he's working. Yes. I said, he said, I have a hundred and seven of, of them. Eighty-six wives. He must be a very strong man. It's all about respect in the society and a sense of protection. Now, some people think getting married and having children would give them some level of protection. These are things that we grasp but we cannot hold. And what does the preacher say about it? Vanity. Vanity. Says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is vanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2. Children are lovely and are loved by God. But the issue here is, are we putting our protection in them rather than in God? Now, I like what Tim Keller said about this son. He says, parenting and over-involvement in our children's lives cannot ensure their health and happiness unless the Lord enters their lives. All our watching is in vain. Giving our children to God is the only way we get to keep them. If you know, what, if you know that the one who loves you unfailingly is in complete charge of history, you will be able to sleep well. And if you are overworked and overstressed, you are forgetting who God is. And remember what Jesus says in John chapter 15. Apart from me, without me, you can do nothing. Now, having said that, children do not have to be biological. We can have spiritual children. You can have people we are deciding what we are bringing up. And Jesus said that his family did not consist of his biological relatives, but those who do the will of his father in Mark chapter 3, verse 35. So as a church, we shouldn't only support and repair families, but we must also find a way of becoming the family of God, where everyone, married, single, childless or not, can flourish in love. John Piper said, the bloodline of Jesus is thicker, deeper, stronger than the bloodline of race, ethnicity, and family. I think at this point, maybe we should examine ourselves uh, by considering these five uh, factors, so to speak. The first one, do you feel reassured these are kind of examining questions that can awaken 
our hearts? Do you feel reassured in the midst of trouble to know that God has a plan for you and that it is a good one? Second one is, is your effort to be secure distracting you from your devotion to God? Are you willing to sacrifice anything, anything for your career? Do you want already have a mortgage you cannot afford? Do you worry too much about your children and your future? Like we said, all these things are fantastic. They're good things. Solomon built a house for God. It is good to work hard. But are you making them into the ultimate thing? As we look forward into the year 2020, can I just ask us? What are you trusting in? I think this is a sign of wisdom. Speaking to us, helping us how to live. Are you trusting in your work, your house, your family, or is your trust in God? Now, as we conclude, uh, do you see the point in the sun? All works of men built independent of God are vain. This psalm teaches man to depend on God for success in building lasting things, whether houses, families, businesses, national security, or anything else. God's gifts are not acquired by intense effort, burning the candle at both ends, but by resting in his grace. It teaches us in John chapter 15 that the key to being fruitful is abiding in him, not in frantic effort or looking into ourselves. Um, let me read Matthew chapter 11. Thank you very much. It said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, if you look at the message translation, it says, are you tired? Worn out? Born out of religion? Say, come to me. Get away with me and you will, you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and walk with me. Now, as club discovered that he's in a sensationally good hand, can we also say that? Can I encourage us to put our trust in God as we plan for the year ahead? Would you put your protection in God alone? In Jesus, our God has provided a way for us to live. To live the life we were created for. To glorify and enjoy him forever. And that, my friends, is a truly good plan for us. Now, if you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this psalm is also speaking to you. No matter how much you labor to earn a righteousness, which you hope God will accept, your effort will always be futile. Your works will never be acceptable to God. God has chosen to save men by his grace, not by their works. To be saved, you must recognize yourself as a sinner 
and your effort to be righteous apart from God are worthless. In him alone, you will find the security which God gives for eternity. Merry Christmas. And do have a wonderful new year.